Greetings and salutations. Hello and welcome to this edition of Everyday Ignatian. We always begin each episode by reciting a prayer called the Angelus. If you are not familiar with the Angelus, that is okay, because I have included the link in the show notes. So if you haven't done so already, I invite you to go into those show notes and open up that link so that we can pray together. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the episode. God bless you all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Ghost. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may be brought, by his passion and cross, to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. All holy angels, pray for us. Society of Jesus, pray for us. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make our hearts like unto thy heart. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hello, everyone, and happy Friday. I hope you all are doing very, very well, and I hope you all are also having a great Advent in addition to that. So this week, we're going to be talking all about uh, one of the really key elements of the spiritual exercises. In fact, it's the reason why it exists and the reason why it was written, and that's the concept of spiritual direction, discernment, discernment of God's will, and discernment on the best uh, way we, uh, we should live our lives and also how we are to direct others in the same path. That's really what one of the major uh, pillars of Ignatian spirituality, right? You know, ad maiam de gloriam, for the greater glory of God, the magis, and this, of course, being the other. So really, this whole uh, episode in general can really summed up, be summed up into one question, again, speaking very broadly, and that is the concept of how do I give good advice, both to myself and to others? both in spiritual matters and temporal ones. That's what this episode is going to be about. How do we make good choices? So as is tradition here, we're going to begin by reading a, uh, a passage from the exercises. If you have a copy with you, it is going to be the spiritual exercises number 22 and 178 through 188. So again, we're going to be uh, diving into that number 22 
and number 178 through 188. And if you don't have a copy, that's okay, because all of the text in full is available in this week's edition. And I'm going to be reading that out loud right now before we dive into each piece of it uh, more deeply. So Ignatius, in his exercises, writes this, quote, To assure better cooperation between the one who is giving the exercises and the exercent, and more, and more beneficial results for both, it is necessary to suppose that every good Christian is more ready to put, uh, put a good interpretation on another statement than to condemn it as false. If an orthodox construction cannot be put on a proposition, the one who made it should be asked how he understands it. If he is in error, he should be corrected with all kindness. If this does not suffice, all appropriate means should be used to bring him to a correct interpretation and so defend the proposition from error. The first way of making a good and correct choice of a way of life. This contains six points. First point. This is to place before my mind the object with regard to which I wish to make a choice. For example, an office, or the reception or rejection of a benefice, or anything else that may be the object of a choice subject to change. Second point. This is, it is necessary to keep as my aim the end for which I am created, that is, the praise of God our Lord and the salvation of my soul. Besides this, I must be indifferent, without any inordinate attachment, so that I am more inclined or disposed to accept the object in question than to relinquish it, nor to give it up than to accept it. I should be like a balance at equilibrium, without leaning to either side, that I might be ready to follow whatever I perceive is more for the glory and praise of God our Lord and for the salvation of my soul. Third point, I should beg God our Lord to deign to move my will, and to bring to my mind what I ought to do in this matter that would be more for his praise and glory. Then, then I should use the understanding to weigh the matter with care and fidelity, and to make my choice in conformity with what would be more pleasing to his most holy will. Fourth point, this will be to weigh the matter by reckoning the number of advantages and benefits that would accrue to me if I had proposed the officer benefits solely for the praise, and and praise of God our Lord and the salvation of my soul. On the other hand, I should weigh the disadvantages and dangers there might be in having it. I will do the same with the second alternative, that is, weigh the advantages and benefits as well as the disadvantages and danger of not having it. Fifth point, after having gone over and pondered in this way every aspect of the matter in question, I'll consider which alternative appears more reasonable. Then I must come to a decision in the matter under deliberation because of weightier motives presented to my reason, and not because of any sensual inclination. Sixth point. After, su after such a choice or decision, the one who has made it must turn with great diligence to prayer in the presence of God our Lord, and offer him his choice, that the Divine Majesty may deign to accept and confirm it if it is for his greater service and praise. The second way of making a correct, a correct and good choice of a way of life. This contains four rules and a note. First rule. The love that moves and causes one to choose must descend from above, that is, from the love of God, so that before one chooses he should perceive that the greater or less attachment for the object of his choice is solely because of his Creator and Lord. Second rule, I should represent to myself a man whom I have never seen or known, and whom I would like to see practice all perfection. Then I should consider what I would tell him to, what I would tell him to do and choose for the greater glory of God our Lord and the greater perfection of his soul. I will do the same and keep the rule I propose to others. Third rule, this is to consider what, I, what procedure and norm of action I would wish to have followed in making the present choice if I were at the moment of death. 
I'll guide myself by this and make my decisions entirely in conformity with it. Fourth rule. Let me picture and consider myself as standing in the presence of my judge on the last day, and reflect what decision in the present matter I would then wish to have made. I will choose now the rule of life that I would then wish to have observed, and that on that day of judgment I may be filled with happiness and joy. Note. Guided by the rules given above for my eternal salvation and peace, I will make my decision, and will offer it to God our Lord as directed in the sixth point of the first way of making a choice of a way of life. Unquote. And that is again the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola, number 22, and number 178 through 188. So that was a bit of a lot, right? <laughs> that was a little bit, right? So there was a lot to unpack there. So let's break it down into smaller pieces, right? So let's break it down one piece at a time. The first thing Ignatius tells us is to always suppose the best, especially in others. In paragraph 22, he writes this, quote, To assure the better cooperation between the one who is giving the exercises and the exorcent, and more beneficial results for both, it is necessary to suppose that every good Christian is more ready to put a good interpretation on another statement than to condemn it as false. If an orthodox construction cannot be put on a proposition, the one who made it should be asked how he understands it. If he is in error, he should be correct with all kindness. If this does not suffice, all appropriate means should be used to bring him to a correct interpretation and so defend the proposition from error." Unquote. And that is, again, the spiritual exercises number 22. This is especially important even today. This is Now, of course, Ignatius could have never have imagined how our modern world would be, right? We live in a world of sound bites and TikTok clips and Facebook reels and, and Instagram stories and Snapchats and quotes com taken completely out of context decades ago and all of these things, right? And so it's all too easy, especially in our modern world today, to assume the worst in others. That what they said was this, that what they did was that, what have you. Instead of actually thinking about the context of it and thinking, well, maybe there was a reason why they said what they said. And that's what Ignatius exhorts us. He exhorts us to do the opposite. He says, no, don't judge them at their worst. Judge them at their best. Always consider, always give them the benefit of the doubt, in other words. He also exhorts us further. He said, if they are in error, if someone is wrong, don't harshly condemn them. Don't be like Judge Judy, in other words, not to bash Judge Judy or what have you, or all these shows that are you know so harsh, or, or Jerry Springer. But rather, if someone is wrong, correct them in a way that is gentle. Correct them with all kindness, as he writes. The second thing he exhorts us to do is to be balanced. And this is paragraph 179 now. He writes this, uh, quote, I should be like a balance at equilibrium, without leaning to either side, that I might be ready to follow whatever I perceive is more for the gl glory and praise of God our Lord and for the salvation of my soul." Unquote. A couple weeks ago now, I think it was, two or three weeks ago, we spoke about uh, detachment and how we as Ignatians are to be detached, that is to say, see, that is to say, um, indifferent to excuse me, the things of this world. And when we make our decisions, we should always be unbiased, right? Because this is kind of in the same vein, right? We, when we make decisions or we're advising others on what to do, we always need to be balanced and unbiased. This is something we also see a lot today. I'll be the first to admit, I, am, I can be often a very biased human being. I need to work on that. I need to be more of a consistent thinker. Uh, I need to be more balanced and unbiased. Our minds need to be, when we make decisions and we advise others and we give advice either to ourselves or others, we need to be calm, clear-headed, rational, and unemotional. 
uh, that way, that way our minds can be clear of any bias or any inclinations, as he writes, so that we can make a, a decision that is uh, aligned to the, the praise and service of the divine majesty. After that, he exhorts us to consider the pros and the cons. Ignatius writes this, this is number 181 now in the exercises, quote, weigh the matter by reckoning the number of advantages and benefits that would accrue to me if I had the proposed office or benefice solely for the praise of God, our Lord, and the salvation of my soul. On the other hand, I should weigh the disadvantages and dangers there might be in having it. I will do the same with the second alternative, that is, weigh the advantages and benefits as well as the disadvantages and danger of not having it, unquote. This again, the spiritual exercises number 181. Now we hear this advice a lot, right? Weigh the pros and the cons, weigh the strengths and the weaknesses, but, and it's overused. We hear this all the time, right? But there's a reason why it's overused. There's a reason why people say it all the time, myself included. Namely, it's good advice. <laughs> it's really, really good advice. You know, if you're like me, you like to make a T-chart, you know, weigh the positives with the negatives, strengths and the weaknesses of each option, right? But notice also um, what Ignatius includes here, quote, Reckon the number of advantages and benefits that would accrue to me if I had the proposed officer benefits emphasis solely for the praise of God our Lord and the salvation of my soul. Unquote. He reminds us here, this again, paragraph 181, that our lives are not about us. This again, what we spoke of a few weeks ago, right? Detachment. The full official slogan, we hear the, the, the official phrase of the Jesuits, the official slogan of the Jesuits, motto of the Jesuits. Is ad maiorem de gloriam, right? And that's true, it is. But that's actually a smaller, you know, that's only a small snippet of actually a, the full phrase. The full official phrase is ad maiorem de gloriam inque omnium salutem. For the greater glory of God and the salvation of humanity. This is the objective. This is the goal. This is what we must strive for. Everything else in this world is simply a means to that objective, a means to that end. After that, Ignatius wants us to ask, what advice would you give to someone else? This is paragraph 185 now, quote, I should represent to myself a man whom, whom I have never seen or known, and whom I would like to see practice all perfection, that I should consider what I would tell him to do and choose to the greater glory of God and the greater perfection of his soul. I will do the same and keep the rule proposed to others, unquote. So notice Ignatius repeats it, right? What he would do or choose for the glory of God and the greater perfection of his soul. So again, this is often repeated, but it, again, it's for a reason. So what he, is he exhorting us to? A, again, imagine you're talking to a stranger about this, or maybe a close friend or what have you. How would you respond? What would you say? Not just in terms of you know, the actual advice itself, but also the delivery of it. Or to put it another way, in a more blunt way, Sometimes it's best to take your own advice. When you tell someone to calm down and you get answered, you know, it, it, some, if you tell someone to calm down, sometimes you, need, you yourself also need to calm down, right? And I'll be the first to admit, sometimes I don't take my own advice. I need to work on that, of course. How often we can be hypocrites, myself included. I'm preaching to myself here. After that, he exhorts us to memento mori. Now, what does that mean, memento mori? Well, memento mori means remember your death in Latin. <coughs> Excuse me. Remember your death. Remember that you will die. In number 186, he writes this, quote, This is to consider what procedure and norm of action I would wish to have followed in making the present choice if I, if I were at the moment of death. I will guide myself by this 
and make my decision entirely in conformity with it, unquote. Memento mori, again, remember your death. Remember that you're going to die one day. Always keep that at the forefront of your mind. Now, is this morbid? Of course, absolutely. But that's kind of the point, right? Now, unless you're Superman or one of the elves from the Lord of the Rings or some of the figures from the Bible like Elijah or our Lord himself or Our Lady, you will have a last breath. You will die. There will be a moment when your heart stops beating. So if you were to die tomorrow, how would you feel about the decision? Would you be glad? Would you not be glad? If you were laying on your deathbed, would you say to yourself, man, I wish I spent more time at the office? Or would you say, man, I wish I spent more time with my family? It's morbid, but there's a, that, that's kind of the point. And finally, he exhorts us to think about what happens after we die. Ignatius, in paragraph 187, writes this, quote, Let me picture and consider myself as standing in the presence of my judge on the last day, and reflect on what decision in the present matter I would then wish to have made. I will choose now the rule of life that I would then wish to have observed, that on the day of judgment I may be filled with happiness and joy, unquote. So again, this goes hand in hand with the previous point, and it's overused advice, but it's true advice. You know, my father always told me, growing up, he still tells me this to this day, you know, sooner or later we all talk to God. At some point, we will all talk to God. You have to explain yourself and your actions. And he's right. Now, eventually, we will one day come face to face with that divine majesty. That is, again, unless you're Superman or the elf from the Lord of the Rings. One day, you will see God face to face, and he will judge you as the just judge he is. And he will judge whether you are quick or you are dead, whether you live or you die, whether you will experience the eternal beatitude of paradise or the eternal fire and everlasting pain of hell. So imagine you are standing before him. How do you explain your actions to him? Again, for better or for worse, whatever that action is, that choice is. And how do you think he would respond? Again, for better or for worse. Now, the key here is to always, as with the last point, is to always think about what he would actually say or what would actually happen, not what you want to do. So you always have to keep that equilibrium like we talked about earlier. So I want to conclude by saying this. And this is especially prevalent given that this is Advent, right? Advent's one of the two penitential seasons of the year, remember, and it's in those penitential times, Advent and Lent, that we're called to reflect. But especially now, given that it's close to Christmas, I want to talk about this. Our lives are all about choices. Think just even at this moment, how many choices you've made today, big or small. The cereal you had for breakfast, the shoes you're wearing, uh, the route you took to work, um, how much time you spent with your family, what have you, things you said, things you did, the music you listened to in the shower, what have you. We make all these choices every single day. Some are benign, like again, what shoes you wear or what music you listen to in the shower. Those are benign choices. But then there are serious ones, right? How uh, do I marry this person? Do I take that job? Do I move to this city? What have you, right? Now, here's the question I ask, and this is especially prevalent given that this is Advent and we're approaching that new year. Think about the New Year's resolutions, right? How often are those choices you make every single day, benign or not so benign? aligned to the praise of God? How often are they aligned to the salvation of your soul and the salvation of every soul you encounter? That's what we're invited to do every single Advent and every single penitential season, for that matter. There's two a year, remember? So this Advent season, especially as we approach uh, the New Year, as we, I mean, it's around this time that people start thinking about their New Year's resolution, right? This and shortly after January, shortly after January 1, right? We think about our New Year's resolutions. How do those choices align with the divine majesty's will? 
how do they speak to the praise and glory of him and the salvation of your soul and the salvation of every soul you meet? But I'll leave you to think about that, of course. So that, again, concludes this week's edition. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us. Uh, a few announcements, first and foremost. If there's anything you want me to pray for at all, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'll keep it solely to myself. I won't tell anybody. Um, uh, and I'll, of course, be keeping you and everyone in, your, in our prayers, especially as we approach uh, the Nativity and as we approach uh, the New Year. And I'll be keeping you and, all, uh, and everyone who listens to this in my prayers. That's the first piece. Uh, second, for those of you who are new and joining us for the first time, we publish every week at um, on Fridays. Um, Everyday Ignatian po- publishes every week on Fridays. So if you want to join us next week um, on Friday, I do invite you to do so. Next week, we're going to be diving, doing a deep dive into the Ignatian exam. It's kind of a cool segue, right? Uh, we're all talking about decisions this Advent season, choices we make. And twice a day, Ignatius exhorts us in his exercises to reflect on our decisions. Uh, where we sin, where we exercise virtue, where we encounter the near occasion of sin. Uh, so next week, we are going to be doing a deep dive into the Ignatian exam and what it is, how we do it and do it properly. Um, and we're going to um, and reflect on that and pray about that. So that will be next week on Friday, and I do hope you join us. Uh, thank you again for joining us today. Please pray for me, and I will pray for you. And have a blessed week. God bless you all. Thank you again for joining us for this edition of Everyday Ignatian. We always close each episode by reciting a prayer called the Sushipe. It was written by St. Ignatius of Loyola himself five centuries ago. If you are not familiar with the Sushipe, that is okay because I have included the link in the show notes. If you have not done so already, I invite you to go into the show notes and open up the link so that we can pray together. Thank you again for joining us, and remember, Quodcumque dixerit vobis facite. Do whatever he tells you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and possess. You have given all to me. To you, O Lord, now I return it. All is yours. Dispose of me wholly according to your will. Give me only your love and your grace, for this is enough for me. Amen. Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. All holy angels, pray for us. Society of Jesus, pray for us. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make our hearts like unto thy heart. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.